Welcome to Roadcase, the podcast that explores the live music experience. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Josh Rosenberg, and I'll be taking you on a journey through in-depth interviews with performers and key people in the industry to explore the magic of live music, how it can be totally transformative for both fans and performers, and we'll look at how they take it all out on the road. It's going to be a great ride, so here we go. Hey, welcome to Roadcase, everybody. This is your host, Josh Rosenberg. I am really psyched that you're here for this episode featuring Chris Wood of the Wood Brothers. I'm so glad that you guys are along for this one. Uh, if you are a first-time listener at Roadcase, welcome to the Roadcase community. If you're a long-time and repeat listener, thanks so much for your support, and I'm so glad to have you along for this one. There's a number of different ways that you can get involved with the Roadcase community and remind all listeners on every episode that you can follow us on the socials. That's a great way to support Roadcase. Uh, you can follow us at, at Roadcase Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So give us a follow there. If you have any questions about Roadcase, comments, concerns, etc., or just want to know about uh, the podcast business, what I do, have a specific question about a guest, send that in at info at roadcasepod.com. And I'm going to read a couple of those on uh, this program. So uh, please send me your, uh, your comments. Really happy to do that. If you just send in an email uh, and uh, let me know that uh, I can include that in one of these episodes. I'll do that. If you'd like to learn more about uh, Roadcase, you can visit our website, www.roadcasepod.com. Another great way to help support Roadcase is to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. If you're on Spotify, for example, there's a little box on the Roadcase homepage on Spotify. It says follow. Just click on that. It's as easy as that. If you're on Apple Podcasts, there's a check mark up in the upper right-hand corner. Uh, you can click on that check mark and you'll subscribe to Roadcase. And doing that on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and other platforms will allow you to receive updates when new episodes come into the world, which is a great way to keep in touch with Roadcase. Another great way to help support Roadcase, super easy and of no cost to you is to rate and review Roadcase. So on Spotify, right underneath that follow box, there's a box with a couple little stars. Just click on that on Apple Podcasts, scroll up from the Roadcase homepage, and right under that uh, is a box placed with a bunch of stars. Click on a bunch of those, and you can leave a nice review there as well. Really helps out the show. So I'm really psyched to have Chris Wood uh, for this episode. I had a really great interview with him. Uh, he is the bass player and vocalist for the Wood Brothers that he founded uh, back in the early 2000s with his brother Oliver, uh, along with a multi-instrumentalist and percussionist Jono Ricks. Uh, Oliver, um, sorry, Chris was also in the band and a co-founder of Medeski Martin and Wood, uh, founded back in 2001. They played for over 20 years. They were in kind of an improv funk groove, uh, improv band, uh, commonly known at the time as Avant Groove. They were also sort of in the jam band community. Uh, and then Chris left that and, uh, began creating music with his brother. I'm a huge Wood Brothers fan. Really psyched to have Chris here. I had Oliver on the show for episode 64 way back in August of 2021. If you want to give that a listen, the Wood Brothers have a new album out released uh, just a couple weeks ago, Heart is the Hero. It is absolutely amazing and wonderful. 
it was significantly recorded analog to 16 track tape, which is quite different than the kind of digital waveform processing of recording today. And it gives this album um, kind of that little bit of uniqueness, which is really key to the Wood Brothers experience. And it lends an incredibly warm and beautiful quality to this recording. Uh, please go out and check it out. Heart is the Hero. The Wood Brothers are headed out on tour starting in May. They've got dates all the way up until October, and you can find out more specifics about those dates by heading to their website. Uh, and they are just an absolutely amazing live band. Uh, as you can tell, I am a big fan of the Wood Brothers. So glad to have Chris here. Uh, such an interesting human. He's a, a farmer, philosopher, a musician, and a dad, and I couldn't be happier to have him here. And I'm really glad to have you all along for the ride. Thanks so much for being here and for your support of Roadcase. And I want to send a special shout out and thank you to Chris Wood of the Wood Brothers for being here on this episode of Roadcase. And here we go. Chris, so welcome to Roadcase, man. Where, where are you hanging out these days? Uh, so I live in British Columbia. Yeah. And for those who are not familiar with the provinces, that's Canada. And um, some <laughs> that's people not aren't. It's amazing. The, that's not in the UK. <laughs> South of the border, there's a surprising amount of ignorance about what happens north of the border. Is it? Did you know that what, before you moved what, there? Or are you kind of like discovering that one little piece of information at the time? I did, but, you know, but I'm, I'm shockingly aware of how, you know, when people listen to the news or even talk about what's happening in North America in yeah. the US. Yeah. They're talking about the U.S., yeah. even though Canada's right there. It's all part of it. Right. We experience, you know, the Canadians experience a lot of the same problems. They watch those <sighs> same shows. That, yeah. You know, so it's yeah, just yeah, a, yeah. it's a weird imaginary line. And most people in the U.S., they don't think past that line. And when they show it in the news in the U.S., it's just sort of this grayed out area. You know, but <laughs> right, it's like literally right, right. right here just – yeah, right across the border. So it's, it's the American it's weird. It's the American vibe. It's like that with every other country. It's just a shame that we don't have a closer relationship and have a. I mean, we have a close relationship, it, I guess, from a political is. standpoint, but also from culturally, and it's just it's it's a it's kind of a well, shame. they're culturally surprisingly similar, but there's definitely a different flavor up here. Yeah, but it, they're all everyone here is aware of everything going on down there. Right, and um, you know, so I feel like it's given me a little bit of perspective. Of our crazy country, yeah, United States of America, and um, and all the love hate kind of things with it, and yeah, it's it's interesting and busted some of the myths about the perfect Canadian, you know, <laughs> society too. Yeah, so sure. there's there's myths on both sides. There's false information everywhere. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. So well, yeah, what, I ended up somehow on yeah. a little island in the Southern Gulf. Um, which is basically part of the San Juan Islands, right. and um, became a farmer. Like me and my wife bought a farm, and we grow vegetables and sell them. And uh, wow. so basically, I'm living like my fantasy of a lot of my hero musicians who were people that I love their music, but who also were hard laborers. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like <laughs> and who? And balancing, you know, like someone like Bill Withers, who would like replace toilets and airplanes and, you know, was a construction guy or Delta Blues guys or were working in the fields all day and then yeah. playing. Like, there is some balance 
uh, there's something about hard labor I think that's good for music because it uh, you only have so much time to get to the point once you're done with all the hard work. And uh, it sort of yeah. reveals what's important and strips away all all the other stuff. Interesting. Well, were you into did did you sort of do this? Was this was this like a Dylan trip across the country in a boxcar kind of idea that I'm going to do this because it's going to give me material? It's going to give me no it's gonna feed no. Me? This is just me justifying the weird place that my <laughs> life ended up. You're in. doing a great job. It sounds really convincing, but Chris. it. It, but well, but it makes sense. Like I, I when I get back on tour, I, I mean, because it's really like I'm like basically when I'm home, it's labor, yeah, and all day, every day, Holy outside mm -hmm. all day. Mm -hmm. when, and it's the opposite of tour where you're inside yeah. all the time, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, hotels and buses and planes and venues. So it's kind of an antidote. They balance each other out. Right. Two two very different extremes of of living. Yeah. Um, but they both are my happy place. I just love performing music, and I just love being out here on this farm and working my ass off all day long. Is it? So, is it like? Give me a sense sense of how big this is. Do you have like tractors that you plow the fields with, or what? What is? What does it actually we, we look like? We started with that. Yeah, it's not. It's not huge. I mean, we yeah. have some acres, and um, but we're really just intensively farming, like one acre. Um, <clears throat> for vegetables. So it's, it's, it's kind of, it's beyond gardening, but it's not like full on mechanized farming. We're like right yeah, in the middle. In the middle there. sort of gentleman farmer yeah, like region. Or, organic farming. Most everything's done by hand. So hand labor. Wow. We tilled in the, in the first year we tilled with a real tractor and I yeah. have a tractor cause you just need it for some things, but, yeah. but tractors screw up the soil, you know? So uh, if you can avoid tilling and plowing and right. all that stuff, you know, it's all about the soil and that just messes it what's up. What's your favorite thing to grow? Or what's the, oh, well, maybe God. not favorite, but like, what's the, what's your primary thing? I guess that has to do with seasons. I know nothing about this. Oh, you, you just, you name it. I mean, we have all different root crops, green crop, crops, you know, right. from lettuces to cooking greens, all the kind of braising greens, you know, from mustards, collards, kale, and uh -huh. lettuces and carrots and beets and potatoes and uh, beans and peas. And I mean, wow. every vegetable sort of category you can imagine. Yeah. It's it's there, and uh, we have a market stand, and we sell to some restaurants, and so you know it's a small streamlined operation. Yeah. Um, do you do that kind of thing where you sell to individuals in a box and they can subscribe to you or something like that? A box program? Yeah. No, we don't have that yet. Right now, it's just a market stand. It's only our second year here, um, uh -huh. and uh, yeah, and we also have an acre of hops, so we we sell hops, oh. um, a hop field, and we we sell it to a local brewer uh -huh. uh, in Victoria. So oh, nice. That too. Does it has he has he is there a connection there with Wood Brother, like a Wood Brothers brew or something like that? No, or, it, yeah, like we have be only cool. been in this place like a year and a half. So yeah. this was something that was set up by the previous owner, and we're continuing it. Right, right. Uh, so you know, I, I never dreamed I'd be a hops farmer. Never. That was <laughs> that's just you know a lot of how I ended up here is is really like one of those weird pandemic stories. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some people just the pandemic completely changed their life. Well, had you known of that place it. before? It just seems like such an out of the way corner of the world to me. Maybe to yeah, others. Well, I married I a Canadian. Uh -huh. I, mar I married a Canadian. Oh, that's, okay, that's she from that area. Yeah. Ah, all right. Yeah. So that's the that's the connection there. And you have a daughter, yeah, right? Who's how how old is she now? She's twenty, and uh -huh. um, 
uh, is pursuing a ballet career. In, yeah, oh, great. In Chicago. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's where I'm located. Okay. What school is she at? Uh, Joffrey, the Joffrey oh, training shit. program of the Joffrey <laughs> Ballet. Start at the top, I guess, so, right? Yeah, wow. she's going for it. So. That's fantastic. Um, okay, so I'm getting the picture a little bit. So she moved to Chicago and you were like kidless at that point. And then that was, and the pandemic hit, like a lot of things came to came to a head at that yeah. point, it seems. Yeah, new yeah, relationship, yeah. marriage, ended up in Canada. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. What, your marriage Nashville ended during, and this was a new, this is a new relationship? Nashville during 2020 was uh, a shit show. Wow. Yeah, there was everything like, from tornado yeah, yeah, to yeah. A Chris, the Christmas bomber. I don't know if you heard about that. I remember that um, shit. Right, right on the, the tornado ripped apart the neighborhood we were living in, and so we just were living in. Me and my now my wife um, were trying to live there in East Nashville, but it was just a brutal year. You know, yeah. the pandemic hit. The tornado ripped up the neighborhood. It felt like we were living in a war zone. Nobody right. could afford to rebuild uh, because of the pandemic. Yeah. And so it was it was a rough, rough period and, and the and the politics and the riots and everything. And by the end of that year, and then of course I lost my job because of the pandemic. Right. So yeah. long story short, by the end of a year of that, it was like, let's move back to Canada. Right. And you had a recent health scare? Fuck. Well, actually that was Another one of the things that made 2020 insane is I had a stroke in right. May 2020. Yeah. So it's not that long into the pandemic. Everyone's freaking out about going to the hospital and, and you know, having to be in the COVID ward. And, it, you know, God. all that stuff was – Yeah, it's hard, to, it's hard to remember how little we knew at that point. But basically I, I had a stroke and I half of my eyesight disappeared in, a, in an instant – Oh my God, that must and, have been um, terrifying. Holy shit. It was so bizarre, but I knew it was a stroke immediately because I'd close one eye and half was gone. I closed the other eye and the same half was gone. So it was my brain and not my eyeballs uh-huh. doing the, the blinding, right? So uh, I knew it was a stroke. And so we got to the hospital fast. And so it's all all okay. I, I have a little blind spot that's left over, <laughs> huh. but it doesn't prevent me from doing anything. So I'm extremely lucky. Yeah, really. Well, you acted fast and got the treatment, I guess, is what, that's kind of the thing. Like they say, like the first few minutes, if you knew something bad is happening, Makes all the go difference. right away or something. Yeah, or, yeah absolutely. Wow, well, you know, thank God you're okay. You know, I mean, that must've been just yeah. horrifying. That must've been the fu- horrifying. The funny thing about it is that they... I, an article had just come out linking possibly strokes and cardiac events with COVID. And so as soon as I got there, uh, I begged them, like, give me a test, you know, for your sake, because I might have it. Maybe this right, is why right. I had a stroke. Yeah. Because I was in good shape and, you know, right. low blood pressure and everything. Yeah. And uh, they wouldn't do it because they said it's not their protocol. And then two days after I was there, the sort of the, the news of this new study caught up. And they were like, you know what? We're going to test you. But right. that means we have to move you to the COVID ward because if you're under investigation for COVID, that's their protocol. So suddenly I was like on the COVID floor and right. the same nurses that were helping me were had to suit up, you know, do the whole full face mask and full suit. And right. And all of this is at, end, your, at, at your impetus. Like, what? like they didn't yeah. know. <laughs> so did it end up you had COVID or not? It was such a bizarre experience and I did not have COVID. So they 
put you back out of there. Jeez. Okay. We don't have to go through yeah, the whole thing again. Holy <laughs> shit, Chris. What a fucking year for you. It oh. was crazy. So I never caught it until uh, like two months ago. Yeah. Yeah. I've had it a couple of times. Yeah. Me two months ago too. It's always like over the holidays for me or something. I'm on like the cycle when I get to the end of like what I guess is the, the effectiveness of a booster I'm tying it to, you know, and with all the shows right. and everything, I'm always get, I'm getting it. I get it twice, once in November, once in January. Mm. Okay. <laughs> and I'm always taking the booster right after like whatever the eight week period. What is the period for right. like the booster effect? I don't know. This is like not the medical podcast, but I think it's like eight weeks or six 12 months. Weeks or someone... so. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Um, wow. So yeah. And you, and uh, you know, ironically you'd move to Nashville, right. To kind and, and to be with Oliver create, not necessarily to be with Oliver, even, you know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, um, you know, then you guys are in the same city creating music together and, and now you're out of there. So how, and, uh, and I, you know, it was part of the, like the beauty was like, Oh, I can, we can work together, be in the same room. We can create music together doesn't that did not seem to have a negative effect on from where I am how did that how did that sort of play out with your relationship with your brother from a musical and personal uh, perspective you mean leaving yeah just, just leaving and mo moving mo yeah leaving Nashville well, it was it was hard I never uh thought that was going to happen I never expected that to happen mm. I didn't plan on it happening mm. um and but I was also not really loving Nashville. It wasn't for me, you know. I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm like the West is in my soul. Is is you know, I grew up in the West in Colorado. Yeah. Born in California. Um, the landscape, the the city, the way the city was growing, the culture. I don't know. Nashville just. Uh, I, I loved the people. I loved the musicians. I loved being close to my brother f so that we could write and work and be creative and our yeah. studios there. But every time I, you know, got off tour or left the studio, I, mm. I just felt like, what am I doing here? This is, does not feel like home. Yeah. So yeah. I'd have to say just an, as a, as a place on planet earth, like where I'm at right now, actually feels like home to me mm. even though it couldn't be more inconvenient for <laughs> the commute and the traveling and the touring you know i have to take a ferry to take two planes usually to start tour <laughs> nashville i drove 15 minutes and had a direct flight so right, right right you know i i it completely makes sense that the music business is based out of nashville yeah. in the central location yeah. and it's grown now that the airport is a little more uh you know it caters to more cities and, sure so very convenient place to live, but very not appealing to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, at least it's also close to where you're to Chicago. So you can you go out there, you visit your daughter. Um, clearly, you and Oliver spent a lot of time in the studio that you guys created there. Oliver created. I don't know who exactly was responsible for that. But I talked to Oliver a bunch. Yeah, of Yeah, it was a group effort for sure. Yeah, 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 group effort. He called it the playground or his like playroom or something like that, where you guys could mm -hmm. just sit down and do your fucking thing, which is just absolutely amazing. And um, I'm such a fan of of your music of of Wood Brothers. Um, uh, of what you guys do it's 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 fascinating so you, you have this this new album that's coming out what's the date that it's coming out now i forget uh april 14th april 14th so you got this new album coming out april 14th heart is the hero uh and i guess one of the biggest technical takeaways if we're talking about the studio is that this was live to tape 
um, no splices. Yeah. Tell, talk to me about that because I, I see that as a very interesting um, sort of the, the next organic step of everything that you guys have done. And it's just a really beautiful place to be. Can you talk to me yeah. about No, it's, it's, it's interesting because I feel like it's a conversation that maybe in the past would be boring, right? Like who wants to hear? I mean, or know, maybe now it's real... boring. I don't know, Chris. You <laughs> well, no, I, I think, no, no, I think you know, it's actually become more interesting because the way that um, computers and our phones and the internet and uh, they've completely transformed our lives, right? In yeah. the past 20 years, it's just, oh, it's if you're old enough to have lived a good chunk of your life before the, all that transition happened, mm. you know, you, you, and sometimes we take it so for granted that it takes a minute to like slow down and think about it. Like, yeah. Wow. Remember how we used to do this and do that and <laughs> right. completely different experience, mm -hmm. right? Just day to day stuff, oh, every little yeah. thing. Yeah. Now, I mean, who dreamed that we'd have like these things in our pocket all day long? Computers in our pockets. The entire that, universe of yeah, information of would course. flow through it into mm. our heads, right? Yeah. So it's like to begin this conversation, we have to just remind ourselves of how crazy it's affected our lives on every level. And so for musicians, um, if you're not old enough, to have recorded records before mm. the computer or, you know, haven't been in the right situations where someone had real analog gear. We've gotten, the other thing we take for granted most of the time is that when we're working on music, we see it, right? Yeah. We see the waveform Yeah, on now the we do, yeah. And we take it for granted, but I feel like that's a really profound different way of experiencing music mm. and it's sort of just obvious when you think about it but it kind of again right, right, take right. it so for granted so you kind of have to really think about it for a second it's like if we're if we're recording uh if we do a take of a song and you go back into the control room right to listen back to what right. you just did right normally what happens these days is you've got this big computer screen right and yeah. you see every track up there in waveform right and like if the song just starts with guitar and then the vocal entrance happens and maybe the drums come in for the second verse, you see that on the screen. Yeah. So before you've heard those entrances, oh, here it here comes. Here it comes, right. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. I can see it, right? Yeah. That's not listening, right? Yeah, that's not yeah. like that, like that's thinking. And so to truly experience something, you know, I, I believe you can only pay attention to your senses or your thoughts. It, it, you can't do both at the same time. And you can go mm. back and forth really fast, but you, it's like, but you actually can't do those two things at the same time. Yeah, so that's so interesting. Your, your attention goes either to your thoughts or, and then of course we, we, we're used to living in automatic pilot. So, you know, you're still functioning and doing things, but your attention is on your thoughts. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking at that screen, you're thinking, here comes the drums. And, oh, I remember when we recorded that thing. And, yeah, I think it could – maybe it rushed a little bit. You know, all yeah. these thoughts enter your head, right? Yeah. And I think the seeing triggers that. Mm. If you can imagine taking that away, no screens, and um, you walk into the control room and instead you've just performed this piece of music and then someone presses play on the tape machine. Yeah. If you're going to look perform, at anything, perform the, the music that, recorded in onto a tape, right? So you go into the directly into to the a room. to a yep. big two inch tape. That's right. sort of the old school yeah. traditional way of making records, right? Uh, and in our case, 
it wasn't 24 track, which is became normal, but 16 track. And the cool thing about that is um, every track has more space on the tape, so it's 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 sort of the biggest, fattest sound you can get from. Oh, same same analog. two inch tape, but sixteen tracks, same not twenty four. So there is more tracks. space for fidelity for each track. Exactly, okay. it's it's a different tape head. So you have a twenty four track tape head, but gotcha. you can swap it out with a sixteen track tape head. Okay. More space for each track, right? Gotcha. So the sound has, it's just like more impactful and warm yeah, and big. Yeah. It's, it's really great for low end stuff. Yeah. And then there's always the, the tape speed, like how fast the tape is spinning while you're recording affects right. things too. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So there's all these things you can yeah. do with tape. But as a basic listening experience, you walk into the control room, you press play, there's nothing to look at and the music just happens over the speaker. You right. don't see it coming. <clears throat> and you experience it only with your ears yeah. and your body, right. you know. And that sounds sort of obvious and trite, but it's it's profoundly different than watching the waveforms on the screen. And so mm -hmm. I, what it what it did in the music, in the recording process, I think, and I'm sure my brother touched on this as well because we all experience the same thing, but computers and and that visual aspect and the fact that computers can do anything mm -hmm. it makes you think about stuff way more because you 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 know that the computer can do anything like you can edit like right. a microscope yeah, like, hey right? i can you do can this change. hey i can do that like why the fuck it's don't unbelievable we do it you know blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah you yeah, can yeah. manipulate the music in right. an infinite amount of ways yeah and so you keep thinking like oh well this is good but what if we could do that thing that the computer did. And, you know, you, yeah, you yeah, keep thinking yeah. about that while you're listening. Right. But if you take that out of the equation, you're just hearing music and and you're either feeling it or you're not feeling it. Does it give you There's fewer, no yeah, does it give you fewer options? Because yes, if you're looking, yes, and that's, that's the a secret. Good, is that a good thing? That's the secret. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because Limitations. I'm like, you're looking at visually, you're like, oh, I can just come in a little earlier. Let's play that little part. And we'll just throw it in there. But when you've got it on tape, you're like, you know, I may have dragged a little bit or this or that, or I didn't come in right on the cue, but it sounds, it sounds good. And yes, we're going to have to play the, the whole song that, again to get that effect. Right. That is, I mean, that is the thing though. Yeah. You either, it's just not good enough and you go perform another. Yeah. Version. I mean, it may completely be off, but you, 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 I, I believe you would, you would tend to ignore the little tiny nitpicky shit that you just, you get seeped in, in that visual wave world. Well, and, and if, I don't know if, about you, but if you think back to, um, older records, pre-computer records mm -hmm. and classic records that you love, yeah. there's so many for me where there's something that obviously wasn't intended, some kind of mistake but it adds so much to the music. It oh, adds yeah. the personality. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, with computers, you can, when when they mix on Pro Tools, right, mm -hmm. you're, it's basically the way I think about it is someone listens to the song over and over and over, and every time they listen to it, they're making a little minute change, a little thing here, yeah. and they're just massaging this piece of music to the point where... They've made everything perfect and there's no personality left. Right. So they've massaged the soul out of it with a computer. If you don't have that choice, you listen to this piece of music and you're like, wow, well, I kind of messed up that one little thing, but man, it feels good. Like, and so 
that's the most important thing. It, it yeah. comes down to feel. And uh, nobody knows what makes music good, really. Nobody's figured that out. If they did, you know, we wouldn't be doing this. Like, we could, like, program an algorithm and it would create it. It would be like chat RGT well, or whatever the hell it's you, called. You do have to talk yeah. – uh, chat GPT. You do have to talk about the listener also because that, that – when you say – you you can't intrinsically look at music and say whether it's good or bad because it's there for or it's likable or not. It's there for a purpose. It's there for the listener, in essence, which also includes the performer. But the listener listens to it in a certain fashion that we can't control and has so many different physiological elements that 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 well. That go I would into say that, that right? I mean that yeah. This this process, yes. Even though we wrote the music, performed the music, because there's no screen, we're we're listening more like a listener than mm. the creator. Yeah. And and what I another way to put it, like uh, the this idea that nobody, no musician knows what's good. Like nobody really knows what makes a good track the one like if you do mm. multiple takes and you basically play the same parts on every take of a tune mm. and you'll hear the the greatest producers in the world talk about this mm -hmm. you know they're like i don't know we don't really know what's different about this take versus the last take yeah but this one's better there's there's a mysterious element there's and, a feel. Um, do you think is that is that more present in analog than it is in digital because you do have to have that feel i because think you're it's not, true regardless you're not looking? Okay. It's true regardless. I mean, it's just true for music and sound, period. Mm -hmm. And that like some 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 stuff just hits you and you don't know why it's good, but it, yeah. it you feel it. Yeah. And, and you know, and, and then you could have another track that's very similar, but for some reason it just doesn't do the magic thing. Right. And nobody knows why. So yeah, yeah, so yeah. I think trusting your gut, um, in terms of making musical decisions as the as the recording artist is you know you'll hear many uh, en great engineers and producers talk about acting quickly they move quickly they mm -hmm. work quickly mm -hmm. because you don't want to get to that point where you're agonizing and thinking too hard about anything because then you've you're out of the creative uh mindset yeah yeah you know, Rick Rubin is amazing yeah, with this. He talks about, about this just stuff. Just thinking about so, Rick, yeah, it's total zen. Yeah, like he's articulated so much of this stuff very well. Yeah, uh, good. That's a good place to plug Rick's book. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, if I had, if I, I, I'm reading an amazing book called uh, "This Is What It Sounds Like" by Susan Rogers, who's a producer for Prince um, and mm. others, and really talks. I'm kind of just right about a third of the way through. Um, I saw her lecture this book at South by Southwest a couple weeks ago. Uh, really fascinating about why people listen to what they listen to and how that impacts not only production, but just who you love and, and why. And it's just, it's absolutely, yeah. it's absolutely yeah. fascinating. Um, has a lot to do with the creative process. And she's just a professional yeah. listener and was there sort of analyzing and understanding exactly you know what lane we're in why we're in that lane what the lanes are um but i wanted to like your your background in improvisation with medeski martin and wood um and where you've come from from um sort of a jazz funk improv world into the wood brothers um and there's so much emphasis on live performance can you equate 
what you've done, because you're essentially going into a studio performing live to tape, right? Which is, and we've talked about that analog versus digital production. Um, but when you go in there and produce an album live to tape and create these um, these singular expressions of a particular song, is there is that analogous to you to live performance? Um, because you're, you're sort of putting that live performance out and recording it in that particular moment. I mean, granted, when you're in a studio, you can repeat that process if you'd like for a particular song. But and in this case, you're playing the entire song again if you don't like it. Um, can you mm-hmm. talk a little bit about that, what that dynamic looked like and, and how it's kind of a I see it's sort of a progression of where you're at. I mean, clearly it's a progression. This is where you're at right now. But as you look back uh, and, and, and draw upon what your own experience is, sort of what does that say to you about live performance in the studio and, and how that's kind of um, sort of geared your own I, creative yeah, I expression don't know. It's, over time? It's, I think um, obviously – it's obviously it's very different environments, right? Yeah. yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Being on stage in a club with a whole bunch of people or a theater. Right. Um, and playing live and, and, you know, chances are most of the time it's not being recorded. It's just, it's just an experience right now yeah. for us and for the people in the audience. And mm. that's it, you know? Um, and the studio uh, is kind of can be this sort of microscopic experience where you know, all these mics pointed at everything and you know in your head it's being recorded. Yeah. And sort of like a podcast. It, it, um, <laughs> if you're, well, yeah, but if you're not, um, and you know, also for, I think one of the biggest differences I'd say is that the you're recording things in the studio that didn't exist before mm. you know where live you're often playing something that's been recorded it's been out in the world enough that mm. you kind of mm-hmm. have a sense like oh yeah people are generally liking this yeah, yeah you know i think a new composition being recorded in the studio is a fragile little baby and one negative comment can just rip it <laughs> apart you, you know because you, you just don't know yet like is this really working is the song good enough is whatever so right i i think in a way that's the biggest difference when it comes to actually um performing music in the studio versus live mm. uh it's become for me one and the same because when it really comes down to it, when you're playing, um, and it's hard not to talk about it without just sounding kind of all the, using all these tropes and stuff, but you know, yeah. it's really about being present and in the moment, right? So right. whether I'm up on stage performing something or we're in the studio with headphones on and there's microphones going, it's all about surrendering to the moment. Um, and we talk about this stuff a lot among ourselves because it's, course the question is well how do you do that because it's hard i think when you're younger haven't done it as much to overcome self-consciousness and anxiety about mm. all the things you know mm. is this any good am i any good and yeah you know you, you can really again do a number on yourself too much getting in the way yeah. right of yeah. of the actually doing what you're trying to do so um yeah, I mean, I've worked a long time to to understand what's going on there and unpack, like, why do I have anxiety? Why am I self-conscious right now? Why mm. isn't the best thing happening? I know I can do this, you know. Right. So I've learned kind of how to 
how to just get rid of all that baggage. And um, does that come up more when you're in the studio or when you're on stage? Um, well, again, there's here's the big difference about studio: the performing part yeah. when you're in the room performing the song. Yeah pretty much the same thing right you're just if if you if you can you're not self-conscious you're just in the moment you're enjoying the sounds i'm you know i i try to always listen to who i'm playing with more than me like because that's what informs me Mm. so it's the same thing like if if you're if there's a a band or a drummer starts playing a beat and you're going to dance to it where's where's your attention if you're gonna dance to a band, what do you have to listen to? The drums and beat, yeah, and the bass, band. Yeah, I mean, just yeah, you know, yeah, you got to yeah, listen right. to the music. Right, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. As, in, instead of like standing there and thinking, like, "Hmm, how should I move?" Right. You stop thinking about that. You listen to the music, and you trust that the music is gonna move you. Mm. So there's there's it's a trust exercise. Uh, and yeah. if you're self conscious, you don't dance very good. But if you're not self conscious and you're not trying to show off. And you're just honestly letting the music hit you, you dance. Right. It just happens. It's not something you do really. It kind of is done to you. So right. that's well, how it's we because try you're to getting into music. your yeah. So you're getting into your body, not in your head. You want to play. You're you listen. You're, at, you're saying you literally it, listen with your body. Yeah. Well, you listen with your body, you, but when you play with, you get there's a little you, bit of head involved. If you've done your homework, there's yeah. no head. If you've, if you've, if that's what practicing is, practicing ideally is a trust building exercise. It's uh, like, yeah. can I do the right things with my fingers or my voice or whatever it is right. without having to think about it so that all I have to do actually is listen and it will happen by itself. Mm. And that's, that's the, the, the beautiful mystery of music is that when things are at their best, they do happen by themselves. And, that's again what I mean when nobody knows why it gets good because when it's when music is really good, you don't feel like you did it. It just right. happened. Yeah. That's that's the that's like the magic space. That's the the holy grail, you know. And uh we don't have control to get there completely. You know, it's out of our control. That's the whole point. But right. there's ways you can practice that surrender and that trust and that kind of listening. So, and it's just like the dancing analogy is really the closest thing I can come to. It's like when that beat hits, if I'm, if I'm listening to that beat and loving that beat, it's going to tell my body how to move. Right. And there's no real rules as to how to move your body. So it's very much a good analogy because you're sort of depending on knowing that how that music's going to move you, but you really don't have any idea about exactly what that's going to mean for you. Which means you're going to dance different than everybody else. Right. And you can't worry about that. Who is listening to the same beat. (laughs) Yeah. Like you can have 10 different people listen to the same beat. You have all these people in a room and everyone's doing different things to the music because everyone hears it feels it differently, moves differently differently so interesting yeah. so when you're up there improving, let's go back to say um well wait so yeah but they, okay. here's the catch okay here's the big difference so then you've you're, you've just recorded your take in the studio mm-hmm. and it's very similar to playing like a live tune yeah but then <laughs> in the studio you have to go into the control room and listen, listen back <laughs> and make decisions about what just happened. That's the big difference right? from, <laughs> yeah. from being live. And so that's where, again, you are really, can you listen with that same openness 
but, but yeah. it's really easy to slip into all kinds of judgmental nitpicking. We bring all these expectations with us into the control room when right. it's time to listen that often get in the way of us actually hearing what happened. Yeah, your head gets so in the way once you get in there. Your head has to be in it because it's kind of a rational decision that you're trying to make, but then... Yeah, but uh, it's also it's also the expectations. Like you have a pre-existing yeah, idea. Which is in your you head. Think, which you think the music should be like. And it, it actually gets in the way of you hearing what so it actually, if it, if it plays hearing, back hearing, over the speakers, hearing what it actually is. Right. Yeah. Because you and, go in there with a sense of what you hear what it actually yeah, is right. and it doesn't match the thing in your head. It's this uncomfortable tension until you've heard it, the playback enough right. to, to let go of your expectation and just accept what happened. And then you might discover like, wow, I didn't think it was supposed to go like that, but this is better. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. How much of playing with Oliver has kind of sparked this movement towards, I mean, clear, obviously you've gone from avant-garde hip hop, this avant groove or whatever they wanted to call it into a more roots-based Americana world with your brother. Um, I, you know, I'm really interested in hearing you talk a little bit about what you brought to the Wood Brothers from that perspective and how it's changed. It seems like this is sort of the, this is a little bit of the end game as far as I can, as far as I can see. I mean, I know Oliver um, had uh, been really instrumental in, in creating this, in, in all of you guys in creating this new studio and, and working more on the improv side. And clearly when you guys are playing with Wood Brothers, there's a level, there's a huge level of improvisation. Um, how is it different with Wood Brothers in the Americana world than it was with Medeski Martin Wood? <laughs> I mean, it's um, almost a similar answer with the studio thing and the live thing in the sense that a lot of dualities here, Chris. <laughs> well, because you know the, I would say like the biggest difference. Um, well, well, no, let me start with the thing that's the same. When mm -hmm. we're up on stage performing music, like that similarity between the live and the studio thing, it's the same thing. Like whether I'm up there with Modesky Martin and Wood. And we're improvising something that's never existed before. Yeah. Or if I'm up on stage with the Wood Brothers and we're playing a song that, like, there's certain songs we play more often, like favorites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all my work with trying to just <laughs> get rid of all the, the crap in your head and just really enjoy the present moment, mm. the result is that the song that we've played a million times with the Wood Brothers on stage feels exactly the same as being on stage and improvising something brand new. It's the same state of mind. It's just listening and reacting, trusting your reaction. But don't That's you have it. already, so that, you don't have already in your head, like I got to go in this direction because I have to perform a pr this song. How does that yeah, but detach? It's, it's, it's just there. It, you don't have to think about that. Mm -hmm. So that, that's not, that's not part of the thought process. It's just, you just react. And, and gotcha. so with improvisation, you know, you're, you need to be able to listen to what you're playing with, right. In yeah. order to come up with something that, fits and makes sense with the music right mm. so if i'm not listening to the drums obviously then i'm not going to groove with the drums very well and i've played long enough and worked on my instrument long enough that if i only listen to the drums you know and not to myself i'm going to groove with the drummer better and i'm 
I'm going to come up with stuff that makes sense. It's just, it's instantaneous. Right. If so, I think about it, it's not going to be great. It's probably not going to groove. I'm probably going to either get too excited about it and rush mm -hmm. or too insecure about it and drag or, you know, like, but uh, if I just trust that the best thing's going to happen when I'm not thinking about it, yeah. then really all my attention goes to the beat. Are you are, or whoever I'm playing with, like a yeah. guitar? Like if I'm I'm playing a duet with a guitar, just right. I'm only listening to the other thing, not myself. Are you talking about um, that playing a Wood Brothers song, like you know, a real banger that you've been playing for a while? You're actually making kind of micro changes depending on your mood, your feel, it's, what you're what you're doing. So it so because for you to oh, say, sorry. oh, that's okay. What happened? <laughs> It's an alarm just to remember something. Oh, something. Okay, I got you. Because <laughs> um, uh, you just said that, that playing playing Wood Brothers bangers and playing Wood Brothers songs that you guys are coming out and playing every night or every other night or whatever it is, is similar to what Medeski Martin Woods was doing from sort of even a free jazz improvisational perspective, well, just, which I, I, guess which I don't I'm... dispute, but I find really fascinating to kind of dig into that. Yeah, I'm just describing how it feels yeah. from my point of view. Yeah, like, it's it amazing. feels like even though if it's a song that we play every night and um and I essentially play I have a part, you know, like that I play every night. Mm -hmm. But if you get in the right frame of mind, it feels like an improvisation because okay, maybe I know the notes uh of the baseline that that I you know that because like let's say the baseline is part of the song it's a hook right so right. you kind of you kind of need to play the hook so that people even recognize what your song you're playing yeah but you know depending on how we're feeling and depending how Jono is playing the drums that night I I can't take for granted it's going to be the same like I got to pay really close attention to his feel. And and when I say pay attention again, I'm like with my body. It's not a it's not a brain thing. It's a it's a body thing. But all my f attention, just like because I want to be a good dancer, I want to dance to the music yeah, yeah. with my instrument. Yeah, that means that every ounce of my attention is on the rhythms that those guys are playing because we know the notes. It's a song that we've played before, right? Yeah. So the notes are are not a mystery, but the feel. Yeah, that's what's going to make it rock or feel great or bring the emotion, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I'm totally getting psyched for an another show, man. I'm such a fan. <laughs> I love what you do up there. And anyone who's listening to this who's seen you perform actually knows how you dance because you go kind of nuts. Yeah. Uh, do you, you doing that dance but, thing every night, brother? <laughs> but that's the part that's similar. You know, the, the thing that's different between the two bands is how you get to that moment on stage. Yeah. Completely different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause you know, for Medeski Martin Wood, it was all about having a great meal and whatever. And we, we might not even talk about the music mm. and literally just walk on stage and then go. Yeah. And uh, with Wood Brothers, it's totally different. It's songs and sets. Yeah, there's and a, there's a lyrical a feel to it, which is like another thing. Like uh, what you and what Oliver's done primarily, and you've done some writing, and you guys are getting older and writing about all these uh, amazing kind of profound changes that we all sort of go through and um, trying not to live in the kingdom of uh, my mind. 
mind uh, just to kind of do the call back to your prior album and sort of moving yeah. out of that? I love some of the things that you've said, um, but I know our time is, a, is, is limited today, um, so we don't need to go down that road too much. But it just suffice it to say, um, you know, what you guys are doing and talking about, um, you know, more about human condition, life, death, darkness, challenges, happiness, sorrow. It's all sort of that package, man. It's just, it's, it's so fascinating. It's just such a great, it's, it's so fascinating. So happy to, to have been able to talk to you, Chris. I mean, uh, thanks, man. Come on the show again. Let's do another part two. I know you got to run, but uh, all right. Yeah. We'll, but, we'll get, uh, we'll get, we'll do it. Yeah. Such, such, <laughs> such great stuff, man. And, uh, you're such a cool cat. Um, look forward to seeing you guys in uh, in Chicago. I'm coming up to Milwaukee too, so I'll see you a couple times. Um, oh, cool! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sounds good. Yeah. yeah, come say hi. I will absolutely, Chris. Thanks so much. Say hi to your brother for me, and I uh, appreciate you coming on Roadcase and sharing all this amazing stuff. You are when are you writing your book, man? You got farming, you got improv, you got. You, oh, you know, there's so many things that you could talk about, man. Let's do uh, it. Life is so full. It's hard to find time to write it all down. True. It's better just to kind of live it, right? <laughs> That's what you're doing, man. You're out there. You're on the farm. You're just, you're, you're living the life. The problem is you're living it a lot on airplanes as well, which is like, you know. It's, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know anyone else that would have chosen this exact path because it's not easy. Right. But, uh it feels worth it and meaningful to me. That's what so, matters. That's what matters. But it is definitely not easy. It's not simple. <laughs> well, you seem happy and I'm glad you're in a good place. And, um, and I, I wish you the best of luck, man. I can't wait to chat with you again. At some Thanks, point. Josh. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Great. Thanks, Chris. Cheers. All right. Thank you. See ya. Okay. That was me and Chris Wood having a conversation about farming, about their new album, about recording, improv. Uh, the Wood Brothers' new album is entitled Heart is the Heroes, recorded uh, in an analog process to 16-track tape, as you heard. It's just a really spectacular album, and uh, you know I'm a big Wood Brothers fan. Really interesting to hear Chris talk about uh, his farming in terms of what he loves to do and the parallels with performance and being a musician, and the um, and the the uh, the issues that conflict as well. You know, being outside versus inside. You know, he loves being outside because most of his chosen profession occurs inside. Uh, being a musician inside venues, inside a tour bus, uh, inside studios. Uh, when you're on the road, it's sound check. You're in the venue, you're in the green room, you know, so much happens indoors and he just really loves being, uh, outside. Uh, he is a gentleman farmer, uh, and I really, really admire that. It's so, uh, amazing, unique, and, uh, quite different than most musicians choose to live and, uh, just super interesting. I learned a ton about analog recording, uh, mostly from the philosophical perspective that Chris takes when we started talking about live performance in the studio to tape and being out of your out of your head and into your body as Chris talks about quite a bit and uh uh with the aspects of practicing 
and being proficient at your instrument, which clearly Chris is, and how that allows you to get out of your head and into your body and just create the feel. And then recording that onto tape and then looking at uh, or listening back to it and trying to evaluate where you're at at any one point in the recording process having to be in your mind and taking that all in uh, when you're actually trying to be out of your head and in your body as chris described it when you're performing i thought that was a really interesting dichotomy and duality of what needs to be done in an analog world and uh you know chris very aptly talked about how perfect is not the only good um it is just uh yeah i mean and i really appreciate that uh, as we all are lovers of live music Live music is not perfection. Live music is uh, is improv in the moment, uh, music being performed uh, for a live audience, and that can also not be perfect, and that's kind of the beauty of it as well. Uh, I loved how he talked about the difference between Americana uh, improv within the structure of the uh, the Americana lane that the Wood Brothers occupied versus what uh, Chris was doing with Medeski Martin and Wood, an improv jazz funk uh, groove vibe of a band. And, you know, blew my uh, my um, preconceptions out of the water when he talked about how before an improv show with Medeski Martin and Wood, you know, they'd be sitting around and eating. He just said that and um, not really thinking about much else where prep for a Wood Brothers show is more uh, thinking about the music. You know, there are songs involved, there are cues, etc. And I found that uh, almost, he sort of gave the sense that it's almost more challenging. Um, probably not for him, but it sounds like it's a it like it's they're both challenging in different ways which i really appreciated um really great to have chris here on the show such a pleasure to have him um if you want to listen to my interview with chris's brother oliver wood that was uh episode 64 back in august of 2021 so go give that a listen that's a really great one as well of course the wood brothers have a new album out heart is the hero and they'll they're going on tour starting May 10th throughout the Midwest and uh, have a ton of tour dates all the way up through October. So you can go to the head to their website for more details on that. Thank you so much for being here for this episode of Roadcase. Really appreciate your support and send those questions in. You can send them to info at roadcasepod.com. Thanks again for being here. And I want to send a special thank you to Chris Wood of the Wood Brothers for being here on this episode of road case. Thanks again so much for listening. And I'd like to encourage everyone to get involved with road case. You can do so in a number of different ways. You can Email me at info at roadcasepod.com with questions, comments, and even suggestions for guests. Or you can follow us on the socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at roadcasepod. And we have a YouTube channel called Roadcase Podcast. And of course, you can subscribe to this podcast on your favorite listening platform. And if you could please rate and review the podcast while you're there, that would be great. So I want to thank Waltzer for this awesome theme music that we have. And I want to thank all of you for tuning in and listening to Roadcase. We have a lot of great episodes coming up, so I'll see you on down the road.